I've resorted to goblin mode. No shower. <laughs> Too many wigs for dinner. And I started replaying uh, an old game from 2007. And I will let you guess which one. 2007. Wow. An old game. So it's probably not like a console because you'd have to like dig up the console for that. No, it's not console. I mean, it had several console versions. I'll tell you that. Wow, okay, more details. An old game that you were into? Uh, uh, the Sims? It's The Sims 2, specifically. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, because it runs pretty well now, because it's so old, my computer's like, I can do this. <laughs> what a... So, in The Sims community, there are, like, a lot of stripes of people who have kind of different uh, different camps, we should say. Let's say, oh, this was The Best Sims. Mm. So do you think The Sims 2 was the best Sims? or I really like it. I think 4 is prettiest, but most boring in terms yes. of gameplay. Yeah, so that's that's a regular take. Everyone basically agrees. It looks the best. It kind of sucks. Everything's the same. Yeah. Listeners, my cat's yelling at me. I don't know why. So <laughs> enjoy that background noise. Yeah, 3 is pretty good. I like. I think that's a good mix. But two, I think, was very fun in terms of gameplay. And I don't know, it's just got the nostalgia for me. I stayed up way too late last night reading fan theories about Bella Goff. It was a great <laughs> use of my time. <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah. So, yeah, I love all all the Sims iterations. I do think I'm furthest down on four. I do appreciate that it's like the most modern one, like it works mm-hmm. the best, you know, fine. And it looks prettiest and it's smoothest to build mm-hmm. things in but it that the character is not there i think yes, uh, yes so whatever they make next hopefully they won't it finds a way but <laughs> and i have no idea what they're doing they're just gonna keep jamming on expansion packs forever i think they're supposed to have something in the works but sims one was like the quirkiest i will say like, that was hilarious i remember it was sims fucking 1. weird like, it, <laughs> like weird shit would happen all the time and even with two like I got like a super bundle for 30 bucks that has like all the expansions. And so there's mm, constantly yeah. just shit happening in my yard. Like there's like 10 ghosts out there and like stray <laughs> animals and like it, it's just uncontrollable. <laughs> Is that the one where like the stray animals, like the dogs will just like dig a hole in your yard or something? Yeah, they ruined my garden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three for me, like if I were going to, if I was going to jump into one of these camps, I'd jump into the Sims 3 camp. It's a good one. Don't get me Downside, wrong. pudding faces. Everyone acknowledges mm, it. Their yes. faces look bad. Yes. But open world. Like literally you click that is you fun. Know, over here and you're just like, yeah, I'm going to send my sim over there. Like, And everything's seamlessly, seamlessly. I mean, back when we were playing Sims 3, it was a lot of loading times. <laughs> it but, was. Uh, that was, I don't know. I like that one. Yeah. I did find something interesting. I was looking at the wiki uh, page for Sims and apparently it was originally based on American consumerism, which totally makes sense because like the the buy music mm. is so like nineteen fifties like do, 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 you know so that's the exact I think song that's I was thinking of too. Yeah. It's built on the yeah, it's built on that like supermarket idol sort of music. It's mm-hmm. like it's 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 theme. That was how many hours of your life do you think you've put in lot, <laughs> into Sims <lot>. games? <laughs> what do you, what's your main thing? What do you, you know, everyone plays differently. You've got your breeders that try to like 
Mm. raise all the families you got your generation challenge your legacy challenge people like what do you do on the sims i do love a good legacy challenge i might start one of those this time i because i had read so much about the the like the stories or the characters that come pre-built i was trying to like Mm -hmm. fix their messy lives today it's very stressful (laughs) (laughs) so yeah at this point yeah i was just trying to disentangle people from bad relationships it takes a lot so the village therapist i guess yeah at this point yes therapist plus god (laughs) yeah therapy god oh (laughs) yeah i don't know i uh more i spend more time designing the family and then Mm -hmm. building the house perfectly and then not playing it for very long i know yeah yeah i get impatient i'm like i'll just get a pre-built house like whatever i don't care (laughs) no yeah make it all uh, you know quote unquote perfect but like i've made however many compromises along the way to be like oh fuck i can't do that okay and then i make a pretty good house and then yeah yeah okay it's been a minute since we've shot the shit what even do we do (laughs) (laughs) uh well sometimes we talk about the goings on of the world or the sims (laughs) goings on of the sims going on of the world either way one thing that the world seems to be doing is frying. Uh, the, the, the climate seems to, Oof. you know, continue its inexorable slide downward into into chaos. Uh, seems bad. Yeah, I don't know. We've we've had sort of personal uh, experience with this, I guess, this week. <laughs> yeah, my AC is still fucked up. Uh, you're uh, still rocking on the fans and everything. Uh huh. I had to turn them off for this recording, so I'm gonna get real sweaty. <laughs> Oh, oof. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when you live in a hundred year old house, your insulation is going to really fuck you over. So I think that's going to be our next step. But who knows? It's all expensive and terrible. And everyone's trying to fuck you at every corner of the way. So, yeah, really fun. That is that is, I think, for a lot of people in, you know, in, in the Western, the capitalist countries and everything. One of the more annoying things that we face, because, you know, I guess. We are lucky in that we're not getting our backs broken, like actually toiling in the mine somewhere and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we have that privilege, but like the, I guess, the suffering that we endure from capitalism, A, your alienation from your job and everything, sure. But like uh, having to endure a market, like a consumer market that is always trying to fleece you like it would be so nice even in such basic things as like keeping you alive with healthcare and stuff oh if you could just be like all of these options are good pick one yes but you've always got to be worried about like oh am i gonna pick the one that like rips people off and pay you know makes them pay too much money or doesn't give a good service and you feel you know you have to feel like oh, I have to read the reviews and I don't want to be an idiot and go to the wrong one. And it's just, there should be no bad options. Like that sucks. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're in a real situation where it's like, Remy, why are you yelling at me, baby? <laughs> he just does this now. Every evening he just run, walks around the house just yelling. It's very sad. Yeah. No, we're, we're in that situation of, you know, we don't know what exactly is causing our AC issue, but like we can't, really trust people because i'm like are you just trying to sell me a new unit are you just trying to sell me you know xyz and like it's so hard to know who to believe and and i don't know like 
you you have to become like a miniature expert in things and like really research and like really like dig around to find out like what you should do next. And it's ridiculous. Like I should just be able to be like, hey, this thing in my house doesn't work. Can someone help me make it work? <laughs> Car sales is another one that we've already talked about before. Of why yeah. why do we have to do Oof. a song and dance? Why can't you just not fuck me? It's so horrible. And Florida <laughs> is making it illegal to not have to do that. <gasps> they to said not, you wait, can. Wait, wait. You cannot buy direct from. You can't do Carvana oh, and all that shit. Yeah. In Florida, they just because they, I mean you know the 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 car dealership lobby there apparently was powerful enough to get them to ban that. Wow, that sucks. Yeah. Because that's the shit. Like that. That's the thing that drives me crazy is whenever you do that and you learn. Oh, I got fleeced. You're just like what? That was like just money that you just stole from me. Or like yeah. when healthcare companies are like hounding you down and you can just be like oh i don't want to pay all that they'll be like okay pay this much and you're like what were you gonna do with the rest of it (laughs) (laughs) it's such bullshit i think i've said on the show about like the 900 hundred dollar fucking difference in my bills yeah yeah it's It's, ridiculous it's really just like how much are we just dodging shit and how much of that is optional how much of that is like people taking advantage it's just it's fucking gross well, you could go with Reliant Air Conditioning. I hear these guys on the DFW Area 1011 uh, classical radio station. I love that station. So They are allegedly gimmick-free since 83. <laughs> which makes slogan. me makes me think back in 82 they were probably running some gimmicks. I mean, <laughs> they were like full on like stripping <laughs> copper from your walls. <laughs> they were yeah, Tony Sopranoing that that job really they hard. Had a, a hell of a snake oil salesman there that was running the sales team and then he left in 82. <laughs> and they've been the same since, but they, you know, Very capitalized good. on that. But they they uh, do say their people aren't on commission, so they're not trying to sell you a whole bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How maybe do I they, know? Like maybe there could they be an unspoken suck, like, pressure. Yeah, or like they sell you, you know, oh, let's let's replace this unit or whatever. But it kind of sucks, so we'll be out here repairing it. Mm-hmm. So that's our angle. No one knows. And like, I'm not saying about that about this company really, but like that's the thing that weighs over any company, I think, in our system, no matter how honest, because the old. You know, the real meaning of the old saying of a few bad apples is that a few bad apples spoils the whole batch, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the, you know, the the gross capitalist lake that we swim in is you you can have a few of those shady companies and then now you're looking at everybody, no matter how honest, how mom and pop or whatever, you're like, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Super fun. (laughs) (laughs) It got to a point where I was like, are we like arguing about home repair over dinner? Like, we need to stop. Like, let's hold on. What's happening? (laughs) (laughs) The American nightmare. It truly Uh, was. (laughs) Well, that does remind me, though. One, There was a company here in the news lately that was kind of in, in trouble for doing too well or selling too good of a product. Uh, do you have an instant pot? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I have the, the combo Instapot air fryer. Oh, okay. All right. I almost never use it. <laughs> I don't use my Instapot that much. We have like a couple dishes that we use it for, but we have one too. I feel like they really took off in the pandemic. Right? Oh, we for sure. Fuck, like we can, you know, um, I mean, they're pretty handy though. I mean, you can, you can, you can saute and you, you can do a lot of shit. You can, if you're making 
something that needs a pressure cooker, then you can do the rest of the steps in the Instant Pot. So that's what I think makes it worthwhile. And it's just like press buttons and leave it instead of like clamp the whole thing down and let it rattle. Oh, God, that makes me so nervous. Like, (laughs) am I going to blow up my kitchen? Yeah, people make bombs out of this thing. I don't want to fuck with it. uh, Their company apparently went bankrupt uh, this, you know, this past week. What they do? They, uh, all the stories that I've been hearing about it and stuff have been saying that... It was too good and didn't break? They ran into the problem of, yeah, selling more shit. Oh. Of like, well, everyone, when they get an Instant Pot, that's it. And so they tried to branch out and tell, <laughs> like, let's make an air fryer. Let's make mm-hmm. this. Let's, whatever we can do wasn't enough because the core of the model of selling people Instant Pots wasn't self-perpetuating. It didn't have that, like, cancerous, ever-moving-upward line of, you know, eternal growth. The perils of doing well in a meritocratic society. <laughs> I mean... If you, this is a great angle for the older folks in your life, maybe the the old cranks in your life mm-hmm. who complain about things, you can say, like, you can agree with them that, like, yeah, things aren't built like they used to be. And, like, guess what their reason is? <laughs> yeah, 100%. My in-laws have, like, a washer and dryer thing from so long ago, like, before <laughs> I was alive, you know? And our parents did the same thing. They kept yeah. that old washer and dryer thing for a long time because it was reliable you know it was because built it was for like that heavy as fuck made of steel like but didn't break you can they call were the cutting Sears that technician corner. out there yeah and they would be like i haven't seen one of these in a long time but i can fix it you know and whereas now there's like it's fucks you need to pay you know thousands of dollars to replace this and why is that i think is because we've shifted so much away from wanting to pay workers and and, and like a decent amount of money pays somebody who knows how to repair things. Yes. Right. And, and and that, because that could be your business model. I'll sell things and they're going to work really well. And then when they have this, this routine maintenance and stuff, like I'll market that and I'll make money and it'll be fine. And it's not going to, well, it's the thing is when you start publicly trading everything, that's not enough money for your shareholders. So you're going to say, we want to be moving more new units, you know, and then you have to make everything more shoddily. It sucks. <laughs> it really sucks. <laughs> That's the brilliant oh. point I was trying to make there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. My item that I'm bringing to our little table and delicately dropping it down in front of you like a proud cat is <laughs> <laughs> actually from the comics world. Ooh, all right. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, the hashtag comics broke me was really taking off on Twitter, and it was a depressing place to be, more so than usual. Long story short, basically, a very talented cartoonist uh, experienced like severe burnout, and the details around his death are unclear, but I think, you know, we're assuming... Um, he took his own life? I believe that's the case, yes. Yeah, okay. The community like really had this outpouring of just like, kind of like, I get it. Like, this industry will fuck you. And, you know, people were... A similar, not incident, but a similar kind of trend happened a few years ago of publishing paid me. And that was a hashtag where people shared their advances. And I was like, these are some, like, below poverty line advances. Like, there's... The point of advance is so you can live off of it. And none of these numbers were adding up. So, it it was just like... What's a... Not exact, but like just a ballpark. Mm -hmm. What's, What's an example of 
this over so many years or something for an advance. Yeah. So like graphic novels can take a really long time. Um, and if they don't take a long enough time, you're going to hurt your body. Uh, I was seeing rates of like $12,000 and a nine month turnaround. That'll first off, that's not enough money to live on. Secondly, you'll break your body. You will have back problems. You'll have wrist problems. Like I took three years on my graphic novel. Like that shit takes a long time. Nine months, not even a year, 12,000. But like if you double it, $24,000 a year, like that's shit. Also that. I mean, people, people work, you know, $24,000 a year and it sucks and they should get more money, you know, at least living in a, in our country. Right. Mm -hmm. But Man, that's crazy. And like you were saying, because I don't remember you, you would, uh, you had to pay stuff out, right? You because because of your wrist and everything, and that's just like overtaxing your body. Yeah, yeah. I had to. I am constantly monitoring my schedule to make sure, like, I don't physically hurt myself to a point where I can't draw anymore. And that and publishing have have has this really long timeline in general. So like, you're going to take a long time waiting for edits and waiting for feedback and stuff like that. So like the lifeline of these projects can be really long. Um, but depending on your publisher, like, are they okay with investing that kind of time up front? You know, like, smaller shops are less able to do that, it seems like. Or honestly, they're more willing to exploit people. Like I was hearing a lot of horror stories about places that were willing to hire like really young artists that were willing to work just for the exposure, just for the you know, they're getting paid, but fucking pennies, you know, <laughs> and colorists get treated really bad, too, because they're seen as not as important as like the main art. So they get worse rates. And it like kind of works its way down, like writers get paid the most, especially like in the big houses like DC and Marvel and stuff like they get paid like the big fucking bucks. Um, and then artists that you're lucky if you even get your name on the cover. <laughs> and then oh, so on on so with colorists and then letterers, like, and I think there might be panel people. I don't I don't know about that. What's one. a letter? You write the words in the comic. <laughs> you either typeset it or you are hand inking it. Oh, like the the blur, like the speech bubbles? Mm-hmm, like the speech bubbles. You? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you might either, yeah, you might do that digitally or traditionally, but it's a hard Still, fucking job. Yeah, I was going to say, in comics, that, that does a lot of work. That does yes. a lot of lifting. Yeah. These stories were just like really, really heartbreaking. Like there's a lot of like there's a lot of tension in the comics community right now, just in general. Like it just feels like there's a lot of resentment towards the larger publishing houses. There's a lot of feeling like, you know, we get pigeonholed into certain directions and styles. And like, there's only so many ways you can kind of eke out some money, but like, I don't really know very many people that can make a living from just comics. And I'm not just saying like, and I'm talking about, you know, if you, even if you make books or you work for one of these big places, like there's a lot of people that have to take on multiple gigs and mm-hmm. it's just, it's just untenable. For, for an art form that I think we all can agree, pretty much everyone can agree, we want, right? It's the same thing when you see the, the writer strike and everything, of, yeah. you know, an art form that we think should be there to me. You know, that example, the writer strike example are sort of sadly more salient to people more like, oh, yeah, it's easier for people to say, oh, yeah, we need like writers for Hollywood shit, you know, and mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we need like comic artists like that is a easier sell to them because so many Americans and stuff are are, are blinded to like their material reality and things, but like it's an easier sell for them than 
oh yeah i mean like we need you know people to flip our burgers and people to like no yeah you know, bag right. our groceries and all, all that stuff like people should be able to uh, you know put together demands for higher wages better working conditions unions uh, workers rights in those spheres that you know too often when they do people are like ah you're just supposed to be a teenager you're just supposed to be part-time you're just supposed, you know no one's supposed to work that job for a living wage and and, and people mm, too easily dance around the conclusion that they want someone to do something for them they like they demand that someone should be around to do that but that person should not be able to afford to live on by doing that and it's the same thing when you're talking about the comic gig is they want you know these things they want to the be work there, done <laughs> but that you know that person should be doing that and also doing a whole other job to keep them to keep them alive and that's fucked up yeah yeah and like I, I've been reading a lot about this and then also uh, about some issues going on in like the de- game development community right now. Like everyone's facing this real crunch of yeah. people want these really big complex projects and are not willing to pay for it. And so there's this interesting conversation happening of people saying, have you seen that kind of, it's not really a, a meme, but it's it's kind of a phrase of, you know, we want smaller games with well paid developers on a longer timeline and I'm not kidding, you know, <laughs> of saying like, let, what if we downsize? Mm. And and this conversation has been happening in comics too, of like, hey, not every book has to be full fucking color. Like I, you know, constantly American publishers ignore the success of, of manga. Uh, those are printed black and white, which means they take half the time. Yeah. And also you can print them on cheaper paper, which means you get more of a profit. And they're super fucking and they're popular. And they're beautiful. I like, love, if I could do everything in black and white, I would. <laughs> <laughs> Color makes me angry. But there's a real resistance to it of like, oh, the market isn't there for it, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you're ignoring an entire industry that proves it's there. And so a lot of people are like, what if we just did that? And I, I was, at first I was like, yeah, that's a great idea for sure. But like, it doesn't solve the crunch at all. Because if you look at the manga industry, they're also overworked, if not even more overworked, because as soon as you move those, that, that, uh, the goalpost. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> as soon as you move the goalpost, your boss is gonna be like, great, now you can do it in half the time, right? Fuck you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can pay you even less now because I'm making less money and blah, blah, blah. Like, the overhead cost is lower. Like, they'll fuck you anyway. So, like, it's not like we can just say, oh, let's shift, you know, the process. Like, you have to shift the system. Yeah. No, there, yeah, there's no technocratic solution to it and tie back into our show's theme communism obviously has the answer because (laughs) if you leave it up to them right this kind of reminds me of the luddites let's say you know we're trying to speed things up and everything get things more you know more things off the line and stuff like that and save people from having to uh, hurt their bodies to try to get this thing to happen okay well one thing we could start utilizing is ai not for like building the whole thing obviously and creating everything but like streamlining some things ai would probably be pretty good at that they're not going to pass on any of that savings to their employees. That's yeah. for fucking sure. And they're not going to pass it on to the consumer either. That's the thing. If we did, <laughs> if we tried to take that route in this sort of like leave it up to the same people with these advanced technologies, you know, in their hands for their benefit, it's all, all the benefits are going to them. Right. Yeah. And so we're going to be out there blowing up AI machines saying, you know, we want to, you know, honest days work for an honest day pay 
just like they were doing back then, blowing up the looms and stuff. Is is <laughs> we would be back in that same. But the thing you have to get back to, I feel like, to or I guess the thing, the way to understand this, if you're going to understand it at all, you have to see. Ultimately, you know, our recurring theme: which side are you on? Like, you have to have a class analysis of it. Otherwise, it's yes. going to be baffling and just like yeah you're just floundering for solutions you're you're not taking into account like the you know what the next logical step for capitalism would be which is to to fuck you once again capitalism gonna fuck you which might be the title (laughs) (laughs) we'll see i i do like that you brought up the like the smaller scale thing and like why not right and that's sort of well the why not is answered in that class analysis of money Right. Of, of like return on investment of we want to get, you know, the big triple A titles out there because they, they bring it there. They either expand upon an already existing franchise or they give us the opportunity to get a franchise that we can then expand upon. Like it's it's just yes. that. Right. But like real human beings, we like novelty. We like new things that aren't necessarily overwrought or the best like the best realistic type graphics and stuff. One good example <laughs> is a recent game that came out called Pentiment. I don't know this. You heard about this? Uh, so I've played, uh, how much have I played of this? Let's see if Steam tells me. I've only played four hours, baby, in this game. It is beautiful. It's got this like Renaissance, Middle Ages sort of style of art. Ooh. Like it's all illustrated. That's so pretty. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's but it's like a choices game. Yeah, you're, you're, you're sort of clicking through it basically, and you have a limited amount of time to kind of solve a murder mystery. Oh, but you fuck also yes. get to choose like how your character you you're given the character. I mean, you are playing from like a male perspective and stuff, but like you're given this guy, and then you like kind of make some choices of like how do you want him. What do you want his background sort of to be between a few options? And then how do you have him respond to people? Be snarky, be nice, be whatever, you know? And I have not been that engrossed in a game in a while. Like it's, it's atmospheric with like the music and everything. It's got um, lots of history built into it. Yeah. You would love it for the art history angle, I think. Oh, absolutely. This, this crazy perspective I'm looking at, all these isometric looking grids, like, oh, yeah. Like, there's some yeah. great illuminated manuscripts. It's so cool. But this is, I listened to an interview of well, the guy who kind of wrote or, you know, designed this game and everything. Um, and he was talking about the gaming industry and stuff. And he was like, I kind of got lucky that. You know, mm-hmm. Obsidian was able to let me just do my weird art history, Renaissance, <laughs> Middle Ages game. This is not what the gaming industry is really doing. You know, this no. is this is a complete departure from that. But this, I think, it's a good example of what game creators and stuff are capable of if they're more freed from the market constraints. Like if they're able to just create stuff. If we were living in the commune, you would have more <laughs> shit like this. Yeah, yeah. And and that's, I think, interesting with games, because people are like, well, why don't you just play more indie games? And it's like, I do. But like, I also think like, big projects are interesting, too. Like, we should be able to have both. Like, you know, everyone's bonkers over Breath of the Wild, or I guess Tears of the Kingdom now. And I think that's beautiful. And those should exist. But I also think like, yeah, those probably like, one of their success points of that is that they got to build off of the same engine. And so they were really given kind of time to like develop more stuff. And a lot of the devs are the same devs that 
worked on the project before too. So like you actually had a job with job security, which like is really rare. (laughs) Uh, I was reading about how often like, I guess the term is crunch gets in the way of, of uh, development. And basically, you know, you can work for with these big AAA titles, you could work for something for uh, on a, on a team for 10 years and never see a release because it's so massive. And then if something happens, if you get let go, or if the game collapses from lack of funding, what are you going to put on your resume? You know, like people want to see game launches under your, under your resume. Mm, Yeah. So it really fucks over the developers whenever you have these massive projects and don't see them through. Yeah. Damn. Another thing you mentioned for your very artistic breakthroughs, like your really cool AAA, big Breath of the Wild, uh, Tears of the Kingdom, all that, like your your awesome games, but that are you know high tier and stuff. Those are funded. And not a direct thing because that's Nintendo and so that's a different thing. But like those are funded by your microtransaction games, your your FIFAs, your Maddens that are always trying to get you to buy packs of shit and stuff like that. Like your your release every year and funnel in the money. Like the game the game companies like have to use that to fund it. So like Pokemon, like yeah, that's become absolutely a a let's try to get all the money we can out of these kids. Pokemon (laughs) has done this. Yeah, they they oh. do they release now, yeah, and then you you have to buy expansion packs and stuff like that for these special events. There's also the Dex controversy, obviously, which like some of that I get, but some but of like it cards? is also trying to yeah. No, uh like they don't include the whole uh, you know, however many there are now, probably like 900 Pokémon like in every game now. But they will let you pay for something called Pokemon Home where you can store them digitally. So, like, they're just fleecing kids at this point. <laughs> you can't just trade somebody because, you know, you have blue version, they have red version. You can't. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm not that ambitious about it. <laughs> I've never nice. been a catch them all kind of person. I'll start, yeah. like, with big ambitions and then be like, well, these are really cute and this is my team. So, fuck everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Man. Pokemon even. Yeah, no, and they they now do the thing where they, you know, release half a game and then keep getting DLC for it, which drives me nuts. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) consumerism, it's difficult. Yeah. Uh, There's no way out. There's no way out besides uh, through. (laughs) And through is organizing, is building up the working class, educating people. That's our... That's our little corner. We're educating people, <laughs> you know, talking to your friends, joining an org, doing something, building the capacity, because eventually you're looking out there in a world that looks like it's getting shittier. The reason it looks like it's getting shittier is because it is. And you want to not be standing around, uh, you know, hands in the air, looking confused when things get so bad. Right. You want to have a plan. You want to be acting. You want to be doing things, putting into motion, uh, you know, what you've been telling people about. That's 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 where you want to be, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely am grateful for like this education that I've been getting because I was able to look at these events and and like apply that lens to it, especially within comics. Like I was able to be like, okay, like what are some immediate steps that we need to take versus like not being tricked by like the the more technocratic steps and and just being like, I don't know, like I'm I try to be really open about my process and stuff and like try to help out new people and be like, hey, like 
if you ever need to talk about numbers, like you can come chat with me. Cause like, again, they're going to try to fuck you. They're going to offer you a lower number than you need. So like, yeah. if you need comparison rates, like that's one thing that's nice that came out of this was, you know, a lot of people are sharing their rates and anytime you do that, you make it more, uh, fair for other people. Yeah. A hundred percent. People should have that solidarity. And I, I you know, uh, when we normally talk about that, it's, it's more like in your workplace, you know, people mm-hmm. sharing wages, that sort of thing. But I like this idea of being able to talk to people just broadly in your field. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's really important for freelancers because they're always going to, again, they're always going to fuck you. They're always going to try to find someone cheaper. But if we all are out there saying, no, you have to pay me at least this much, they can't, they don't have anywhere to go. <laughs> yeah. And the next step to that, I mean, the next evolution to bring the Pokemon back into it, the evolution beyond that is <laughs> actually organizing, unionizing. Yeah. You know? And that that's, that's a hard step to do, especially with a, such a diffuse you know, workplace and, and group of workers and stuff. But that would be the kind of the higher stage of that. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some good resources out there. Lightbox is a great one for people sharing rates and just like they give lots of resources on, you know, how to charge for things and things like that. Uh, One I found recently is a cartoonist cooperative, which uh, has the resources for like how to do your taxes and and, uh, things that are really difficult and opaque for freelancers. Um, And they have like a cool little system where like, I think their idea is if you join the co-op, like you're basically on a calendar with these other artists. And so you promote each other's work. um, So that way, like more people see it, which I think is like a cool like idea. That is awesome for sure. Okay, what else is happening? What else? You do have um, a terrible heat wave going through the American South. Yeah. You have a terrible heat wave, not only there, but also in India. Oh, I haven't heard about that one as much. I wonder why. (laughs) Right. Hundreds of people uh, have have died. Jesus. uh, There of heat. The the government's been advising uh, them to, you know, stay indoors and, and... Things like that, especially, you know, older people Mm -hmm. are having a a more difficult time and everything. Two of the most populous states in India, the northern state of Uttar Pradesh and eastern Bihar. Residents over 60 were urged to stay indoors during the daytime. But I mean, like, you know, it's not widespread use of air conditioning and things like that. They don't they're not able to have that in a lot of these places. I mean, these are climate deaths. Yeah, it's 100 percent. Uh, the 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 climate situation i mean we've been seeing more severe storms and and severe uh whether it's uh you know forest fires and stuff remember the canada was was oh yeah yeah that stuff in new york city like the the air quality or whatever from that that was nuts whether it's that or heat waves or crazy you know storms that are knocking out power for everybody that's getting more widespread i mean even things down to allergies i was reading this article that said like literally allergies are getting worse for people Mm-hmm. i believe it the far left organization the you know usda <laughs> uh, was had an article saying yeah allergy seasons are getting worse blame climate change fuck that sucks there was a study out of uh harvard harvard's school of public health that was looking at climate change's effect on uh, pollen, on allergy and everything, you know, allergy seasons and stuff like that. And apparently it's, yeah, it's, it's making things worse. It's, it's, it's 
making it to where uh, pollen seasons start 20 days earlier or 10 days longer and feature 21% more pollen than in 1990. <laughs> that sucks. Oh, listeners, I have just about the worst allergies of people that I've met. And in humans, I have a triple regimen of oral pill, nasal spray, and eye drops. And yeah, it's rough out here. <laughs> yeah. Abby deals with this shit, too. She didn't used to, actually, till we moved up here. But um, yeah, she's she's been she's been sort of in the doldrums of it lately. It's rough. And yeah, it's it's definitely, I don't know, it feels like it's gotten worse. And, you know, we've talked before about how the prevalence of male trees is another reason for that, because mm -hmm. we can't give people free food. So oh. only do trees that spray pollen everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool world. Hey, sanely. So again, this is not just to complain. And we don't want to ever give you the idea that we're just like, doesn't the world suck? What should always be the, like, the other half is you should, your brain should all, always be picturing the alternative, right? Mm, yeah. And you should always be sort of upset, sort of, uh, you know, longing after that other possibility. Because there is one. I mean, th yes. there's, it's, this is never, we're doesn't never like, like talking this. about, damn, you know, those laws of physics. If it weren't for that, then, you know, <laughs> things could be good. We're always, uh, we're always complaining about problems that have been created by man. This is, you know, John F. Kennedy even said, you know, you know, th we have problems that were created by man and that can be solved by man and we can have world peace and that sort of thing, you know, like, well, in this situation, the, the problems we're talking about, those are created by people and we could solve those, you know, and that's what you should have in that other part of you when you're listening to this is how could this be better? Right. And then what, what could we do? Uh, what would the commune do? How could we do this if we were able to free ourselves from this horrible system? Yeah. Yeah. I view it as this should be fueling that fire of, of rage and mm -hmm. of, again, like you said, hope. And yeah, I, I view this as a way to build your, your bulwark of like arguments and, and ideas like, yeah, like and, and I don't know, it helps in a lot of ways to be like, oh, I'm not crazy. Like other people see this and see how it's connected and agree in that sense. Because, you know, we live in such a weird little world where like you can feel like really alone in these things sometimes yeah. and feel unsafe expressing these things sometimes. So, yeah, basically like we get it, man. It fucking sucks out there. <laughs> and if any of these arguments help move anyone, you know, just a little bit, you've done a cool thing. For sure. And you don't, you know, again, you don't have to tell them communism would fix this, but <laughs> just pointing out the flaws in the current structure can be really helpful because yeah. again, like the publishing examples just really stick with me just because it's my fucking field of, you know, even if they come up with what seems like a good solution, like take, like take the next step, take the next logical communist or not next logical capitalist step and see like, no, we can't just bite around the edges. Yeah. Because ultimately there's going to be a workaround if you, if you, do that if you leave those power structures in place then something's going to change all right this is what we did uh, a little historical here this is what we did in the new deal right we said we're going to do some social democratic things in this country but we're not going to change the underlying structure the capitalists will be in charge they're momentarily cowed by the you know people in the streets in fucking kansas threatening to do a red revolution in the middle of the country Fuck yes. We've got to do something. 
And so we're going to make some concessions. But who's making the concessions is still the capitalist class in power. It's still Franklin Roosevelt from Hyde Park, New York. I mean, as bourgeois as it gets. So he goes in and says, we're going to, you know, to the senators and everything, I'm going to save capitalism for you. We're going to make some concessions and everything's going to be great. And we're going to help people get back on their feet and stuff. And so you do end up with some social democratic reforms that over the course of the rest of the kind of modern American political history, uh, the two parties set out to, to fight about, right? The Democrats wanting to continue or maintain or in some small cases improve upon and the Republicans seeking to tear down uh, that those, those concessions and, and bring it back. Right. And that's the thing that you do when you like, when you don't follow through, if you don't change that political, like who is actually literally in charge, the class that holds the power then that class is always now going to be arguing about, should we still give these scraps to these people that we gave them at some point? Like we could take those away because now, I mean, we have always had the power and we can just do that. And so that's why you see, you know, civil rights laws being rolled back and everything else is they can do that because those were concessions and the power structure was not changed. Yeah. Like even, you know, Best case scenario. And like, I do want to emphasize, like, that's cool that we even like got to that point. Like, mm-hmm. We had a fucking foot in the door. We were like at such a mass level of action. They're like, we have to do something. That's a win. Yeah. But even with that win, the rest of it is just like, you're just going to watch that system crumble over time. And that's where we are now. It's just like, hey, we don't have like any infrastructure or like welfare programs or anything. Yeah. No, they had the huge collapse in Philadelphia. I-95. Yeah. Major. That's nuts thoroughfare trying to get that repaired or whatever but like how long did they have to deal with that you know and how many more of those lurk in our country because we haven't done anything to do with it we don't have the tax dollars we don't have the this we don't have the that we don't have the political will we don't have the popular pressure to do anything about it yeah yeah and and the trick of consumerism and the trick of of honestly squeezing us so dry that we don't have any energy to organize. We don't have any energy to get out there and demand. Yeah. We have enough energy to go home, watch whatever programs we're watching. <laughs> and that's it. Play the Sims too. <laughs> go the fuck to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and hey, sorry. So none of that's meant as a criticism of you, though, as a listener. No, no, because not at all. we do these same things, right? Yeah. You, I mean, you do this, I'm in I goblin do this. mode right now. <laughs> So, uh, when we, you know, when we're, when we're talking about that and saying, you know, we, this system does drag us down into these places where we don't have that energy. We're talking about ourselves too, you know, and, and our, in, in, in our better moments, you know, in our more pumped up moments, we want to do more and we try to do more, put more energy to what we care about. And you should too. And you should, you know do what you can to, to, to make it to where you have more of those moments, but understand that like, and don't be like fucking down on yourself when you can't. Cause like, yes, it's a careful balance. <laughs> yeah. All of us are there a lot of the times because I mean, fuck, we live in, hard. as Che Guevara said, the belly of the beast, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're dealing with it and it's, <laughs> uh, it's better to be in our situation and be in a colonized country. 
Oh, right? totally, totally. 100%. But it is a different animal. It is something different that we have to deal with to be as psychologically inundated as we are. We have that unique position of supposed to be being on this side that is trumpeted up to us and everything of, oh, this, you know, you're good. This is, you know, the United, this is capitalism. This is great. This is to have to deal with that, like directly and people saying like, you're supposed to be on this side sort of thing is psychologically, I think a pretty big toll to have to deal with. I don't know. I think coming from an immigrant household, there's a certain level of like, you should be grateful that you're here. And you feel guilty when you're not, and you feel guilty for calling it out when it fucks up. And there is kind of a workaround you have to do of being like, yeah, I could acknowledge that things are worse in other countries, but I also can acknowledge that things could be better here too. Like two things are true at once. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) I don't want to say like completely that pain is relative and things like that, because like we should always keep like the, the harsh conditions of colonized countries in mind. But yeah, I think when you're thinking about working locally and starting from what you know, like, yeah, you kind of have to do that, I think. For sure. I think you can do both if you do it mindfully. So I agree that you should keep the harm that is being done by the United States and other imperialist countries to colonized countries. Like that should be, you should think about that as often as you're able to like mentally deal with it. Psychologically. Yeah. Yeah, you you should, you know, think about that and this should be something that you should be angry about in that like where you know, the place I'm living is doing that and they're cl- they're pretending that I like that, like that I'm supporting them in that and fuck them, like, you know, I don't. You know, that should be one of your sort of driving things of like that's fucked up that, you know, people are doing that for me. And and Yeah, it shouldn't diminish, I think, what you're going through, but it should just be like another, you know, another Another reason, just another reason to stay angry (laughs) as if I need more. (laughs) But again, I mean, live, you know, live your life like we're, you know, like we're giving you advice for (laughs) whatever, but (laughs) it's you can't stay angry 100% of the time. Everyone knows that, you know, you're going to have good, good moments and let yourself laugh and stuff like that. But it's Um, can we run a communist advice column called Dear Vladdy? (laughs) <laughs> yeah man that'd be hilarious we should dear rename Vladdy. our listener Q&A's dear Vladdy it'll be Lenny dear Lenny yeah Lenny. if any of you Lenny come over here you got a letter <laughs> yeah if someone uh, writes us an email with that yeah you'll probably be on the next Q&A so <laughs> <Dear Lenny. laughs> uh, for sure I don't know it, I find myself in a weird headspace about this a lot so I that's why it. I had feelings to kind of outpour about that but. thank you for sharing your feelings in our communist group therapy club <laughs> oh, okay uh, I've got a little thing about cancel culture Ooh, alright <laughs> who's been canceled forever and never is going to be heard from again a really weird one here. Uh, the author of Eat, Pray, Love, Elizabeth Gilbert. What is Eat, Pray, Love? Is that like Live, Laugh, Love? <laughs> no, it was it was a very popular book and then movie with starring Julia Roberts. Oh, okay. Yeah. I actually really like, I have, okay, confession. I haven't read Elizabeth Gilbert's work, but she's been on one of my favorite podcasts a couple of times as a guest, and she's mm-hmm. very funny and charming, so I like her. Okay. <laughs> I like her from afar. Uh, <laughs> but she's but, been canceled now. So get this. This is a crazy one. So 
she was writing a book, right? What was it called? Uh, Don't eat blaspheme hate. (laughs) Fast blaspheme hate. There you go. (laughs) I'm down with the second two. I need to eat. (laughs) The title, I had it, and then I scrolled away from it. There we go. Uh, The book was called The Snow Forest, Mm. and it got pulled because there were yeah hundreds of one-star reviews on Goodreads. And you know what they were mad about? This is before the book came out, first off. Uh, And they were mad because the book was set in Russia. Oh. And you had all these people showing their their Ukrainian uh, loyalty that and they they were just like how dare you set a book in russia at this very difficult time i have heard about this okay okay you just didn't know who it was yeah (laughs) isn't okay and this is like the cherry on top this is like the the what the fuck are we doing it's just with our time it's well here's the thing it's set in russia (laughs) and the blurb, like the, the, you know, the back cover kind of summary is it follows a Russian family that has removed themselves from society in the 1930s to try to resist the Soviet government. So, what? like, <laughs> I don't think she's endorsing, like, Russian empire in any way. Wow. Isn't they just that have crazy? Like, they ju- it's just set things? in Russia. It's set in Russia. That's why they're mad. They're never saying, like... You just can't like, make any more stories about Russia now. They're, they're, they're never saying, like, <laughs> Putin is number one. Or, like, you Not know, that I know of. It's Ukraine is bad because their soldiers are woke or anything. I, <laughs> I can't imagine that's the case. First off, the book's not even fucking out. So nobody knew anything about this except it's set in Russia. And in the 1930s. In the 19th... Not even the same time period. How did they... So it's not set in Russia. What, did they leave Russia? Or uh, it's I think they find like an isolated place within Russia to, to start a little new society, which is fair. I mean, everyone's escaping trains like it's <laughs> it's fine. There's lots of places yeah. where they don't control. There's lots of room. <laughs> That's so there's not any substantiate. <laughs> there's nothing right. There's there's nothing. Oh, it's actually it's in Siberia. Yeah, specifically. So like, yeah, you're in buttfuck nowhere. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just. <sighs> What is the art like? What what did they? No, the quote the quote from Gilbert's really funny. Uh, I mean, it's not meant to be funny at all. She's saying, you know, I'm sorry. You know, she's gotten all these uh, reactions about uh, quote about the fact that I would choose to release a book into the world right now, any book, no matter what the subject of it is, that is set in <laughs> Russia. So we just like can't. We can't do it anymore. No Russia. <laughs> no, we have to pretend that country doesn't exist unless we're actively hating it. Uh, very dumb. Like, Extremely no. dumb. Zero percent. Uh, what are we doing? D- yeah. Sorry, listeners. Um, please boycott <laughs> the various episodes that we've done that mention the geographic territory. That's of a lot the of former them. Soviet Union. Uh, you know, because we can't, we can't be mentioning that, you know, in this day and age. And this climate. Like, it's fictional it's not the same time period it's actually about people who are like against the government like i don't understand it it blows my little mind maybe it's because it's against the government but like that was the good guy i mean that was the soviet union that was like the soviet i I, I, i'm a little annoyed about that like yeah don't be against them like (laughs) yeah no that's wow 
I had heard about that vaguely, so. Now you know. It's canceled forever. Canceled. <laughs> Did people respond positively uh, to her saying no and never mind, I'm not going to. I mean, there's a lot of people being like, this is fucking weird. <laughs> like, and, you know, the what worries me, too, is, you know, there's a lot of stuff writing about, like, free speech and stuff like that, which I get. But I don't know. It's just it's very strange. It's just bad faith. What are they? Were there no other like people who were criticizing this? And no one else was like, don't. They were just. They just said, don't publish this book. They didn't say like. From what I understand, yeah, I don't even know if like an ARC is out there yet. It's an advanced reader copy. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't even know. I'm sure like there's been some people who have read it, but yeah, from what I understand, their complaint was just that it was in Russia, not with the content of the book. Ignorance is strength, as Orwell would say. <laughs> and maybe we should just be uh, gathering up books that are set in Russia and that tell any sort of story of Russia. Of totally, any sort. yeah. And sure. Just, you know, maybe set those on fire. We don't need them. You know, just <laughs> get rid of those. Don't need to listen. And, you know, I mean, like, yeah, the, the Ukraine situation, the whole, that geopolitical, all that is probably too deep for anyone to really analyze in a meaningful way definitely not our fucking show <laughs> <laughs> yeah um we're not qualified at all not at all we can just say it's weird sounds tough we really wish people weren't fighting and stuff but america keeps shelling a couple billion you know a couple billion every month to i think yeah it's a good idea there. to go ahead and question that <laughs> yeah uh and then they have trouble with like the photography units over there they always they have some sort of weird Nazi magnet on their cameras that always gets, you know, gets a Nazi symbol here or there. I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. Very weird. But uh, it's bad. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's it's I, just it, a complete. It's okay. It, it speaks to a larger cultural issue we have of just like everything has to be more morally pure what you consume. But to this extent, like you can't even touch it. Like you can't even like, like that's crazy. Ugh. You have to have kind of a stupid filter on of like this good, <laughs> this bad, like mm -hmm. caveman sort of thinking of it. Of truly, like, truly. You said Russia, but you didn't say bomb Russia bad. <laughs> you must be evil. And it's just, uh, why? But it's, it's maybe an expression of powerlessness of seeing these things play out, hearing about them in the news. And not having anything to do to support it, oppose it, anything that's meaningful. The best you can do is just yell and be like, there's this book that says that Russia. <laughs> I don't know. That's like a, the most charitable reading I can give of it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, as an author, Goodreads people have a lot of power. It's a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. I got one more for you. All right. All right. Are you ready for this great headline oh, from sure. the Catholic News Agency? Not a source we go to a lot oh, on the show. Yeah. Friend of the okay. show, Catholic News Agency. <laughs> Let's hear it. Oh, great. There's an advertisement for a show called Vaticano. I think it's probably just the mass from the Vatican. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> tune in Sunday. Yeah. Um, all right. Headline. California restaurant had fake priest hear workers' confessions, Labor Department says. <laughs> <laughs> this is incredible. Shit, so, what? 
So a California restaurant had a guy pretend to be a priest, come into their employees and host confession. What's really fucking spicy is the kinds of questions he asked about were work related, urging them to quote, get the sins out, asking them if they had stolen from their employer, been late for work or done anything to harm their employer. You know, the things God really cares about. Wow. <laughs> Fantastic. That's so fucking funny. And so like they, they ended up investigating and they they ended up calling the Catholic Diocese of Sacramento and they're like, we did not send a guy out there. That's not us. <laughs> so yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh. What? <laughs> That's wild. Uh <laughs> have you stolen anything from from work you know that's a sin <laughs> at least they didn't have the uh the manager the boss come in and and do you know and have to do confession too because uh as we mentioned in a previous episode the vast majority of property you know property damage property theft or whatever in the united states uh, the vast, vast majority is wage theft. So yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he'd be the top center of the day. <laughs> yeah. So his session everyone, would be the know, longest. They, they go out to the tables because they're still preparing for opening for dinner, and uh, you know some of them are out there kneeling and doing their hail marys and stuff like that. But he'd be out there longer because <laughs> oh yeah, he'd be, he'd be there for days, doing way more penance. <laughs> so yeah. So what was it? It was just a. Was it just a dude, like, from the neighborhood? <laughs> His friend? Let me see. Hold on. And so it was a chain of talkerias. Just says an individual to impersonate a priest. So, I mean, just it could be just a friend. Let me see. Uh, the quote's here. He asked if I ever got pulled over for speeding, if I drank alcohol, or if I had stolen anything. Wow. Many people felt it was an intimidation tactic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Speaking of sins, investigators from the Department of Labor found that the restaurant denied overtime pay to employees and illegally paid managers from the employee tip pool, a very common practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they in- they threatened their employees with retaliation and immigration-related consequences. Cool, cool. <laughs> oh, and in return for, you know, cooperating with investigators. Don't cooperate with these people or we'll just fucking deport you. Uh, or they they also fired one worker that they believed had complained to the labor department in the first place. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. They're the real centers here. Uh, yeah. I don't know who this fake priest was. I'm, I'm assuming a friend of, of some sort. <laughs> they don't have details on that, but yeah, insane shit. What the fuck? <laughs> wow. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, be on the lookout, you know, if you are of a religious persuasion, if you come into work and there's a guy <laughs> in a cheap priest costume, you just turn right around and leave. Yeah, if your <laughs> boss says, hey, can you talk to this religious leader? Like, maybe no. <laughs> That's a hard pass. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, what won't they do? So they got the company town, they got the company church. The company now. priest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, I did see something from... Since we're in, we got to we got to 
make mention of this. Otherwise, we'll lose our sponsors and stuff. But it is Pride Month. Oh, yes, that's true. And there was a story out of Oklahoma that caught my eye. Uh, Oklahoma is doing their Pride their Oklahoma City was doing their Pride Festival sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And apparently they rejected uh, the application of the CPUSA, the Communist Party USA branch from Oklahoma. They they wanted to have like a booth there uh, <laughs> with the rest of, you know, the corporate things and, you know, various groups and organizations and stuff. Uh, they wanted to have a booth at the Pride Festival, but they were rejected. Wow. Not cool. Yeah. Uh, they cited a law from the 1950s, a 1955 <laughs> okay. law. That means it's a good one. Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know. Which uh, declared the Communist Party illegal. Oh, Okay, you can yeah. just do that, huh? Well, we did one of these <laughs> at the federal level at the same yeah, time, do, too, yeah. the Smith Act. You know? And then yeah. later on, they went and said, you can't do that. There's the First Amendment. But <laughs> uh, Oklahoma still has this law on the books. It says, <laughs> cool. the Communist Party of the United States, together with its component or related parts and organizations, blah, 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 uh, are hereby declared to be illegal and not entitled to any rights privileges or immunities wow no rights wow that's no harsh rights for <laughs> communists and Bummer. so they so they they said uh the person the president of okc pride sent an email to the cpusa people saying hey uh because this law would prohibit our organization from accepting your application sorry you know like anyone would know about that law unless you're specifically going looking for it yeah you know, you have one very old man who's like, something about this feels wrong. <laughs> I feel like there's a rule about this. Yeah. It's so crazy. They, they got rejected. Um, so corporations at Pride, totally fine. Communist? Nah. No, no. When uh, have these guys ever supported gay rights? You know? Never. They're very mean to the gays, I hear. <laughs> and I mean, in certain <laughs> expressions have been. Certain, yes, and, and yes. It's bad, but like, as an ideology, no. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. The article that I was, that I read this from uh, People's World, which is like a communist publication, was talking about Oklahoma's history mm. of communism. Spicy. Says the Oklahoma Communist Party was a significant political force on the left and in labor during the Great Depression, building on an agrarian socialist tradition tr- stretching back to the beginning of the early 20th century. Hell yeah. Made up of trade unionists, tenant farmers, and African Americans. The CPUSA's Oklahoma branch had over 500 members. They included famed musician Sis Cunningham, who was part <gasps> of the... Uh, yeah, the Almanac Singers. Yeah. Also adjacent to the Reds' ranks was another Oklahoman folk singer, Woody Guthrie, oh, who wrote a regular column in People's World. Yeah, he was... I forget if he was Oklahoman and Texan, like, which way? Like, he was even mm-hmm. born or raised in one of the other but i'm judging a little bit either way but you know (laughs) that's fine we can't all be perfect yeah so they have roots uh the oklahoma communist party was a target of severe oppression in the years leading up to and during world war ii the progressive bookstore in oklahoma city was raided and its (laughs) four proprietors all members of the young communist league were arrested along with more than a dozen customers 
Wow. That sucks. That would suck, man. You're at your local communist bookstore and you get arrested. But That would that would suck. I would also love to have a local communist bookstore, though. So Yeah. <laughs> oh, the progressive bookstore. Charged with violating the state's criminal syndicalism law for distributing Marxist books and pamphlets. That's that's us right there. Yeah, yeah, uh, we are doing that. The booksellers were convicted and sentenced to 10 years in prison. And the convictions were eventually overturned on appeal. But the damage to Oklahoma radicalism was irreversible. Anti-communist witch hunts and purges of the state government and public universities ensued. So... They got they got stumped. I mean, they had a little bit of time when they were there, but they were like, no, hey, Oklahoma, we're not doing this. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like there's always these like kind of out of left field states like mm-hmm. Oklahoma and like Nebraska and Kansas that have these really interesting histories that just don't get talked about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want to look at, you know, modern day American politics, you've got one of the reddest states in the country now, red in terms of Republican West Virginia. <laughs> the wrong kind know. of red. Yeah. But I mean, you know, we did our show in Harlan County. I mm-hmm. mean, that was, and really, honestly, till in our early childhood, West Virginia was a reliably blue state because yeah, of its yeah. history of labor, you know, of its labor affiliation and everything. And that, that didn't really fall to the wayside till those political parties, because, you know, the unions were so comfortable with them and. So willing to say we're going to be on your side. The dangers of electoralism, as Daniel DeLeon would tell you, you you get captured, you know, and you, you, you get made into a pawn. And so they're, then they're like, do I have to court your vote? No. And that that's where you end up. Yeah, I was reading a little bit about that um, by reading about it. I was reading a fucking thread on Twitter. I'm not like looking into cool scholarly sources. Just just so, say, hey, I read. And then people can imagine yeah, what they want. I don't want. have to say where it was from. <laughs> and I'm not citing my sources. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I was reading this take about like one of the issues with large enough unions is that they do end up making these concessions or they can, let me say can end mm-hmm. up making these concessions to power structures, uh, you know, and, and endorsing, you know, Joe Biden and stuff like that. Yeah. And someone was like, well, is, is the solution like having a healthier stock of, of small and, and mid-sized unions that then like work together. And someone's like, yeah, it's illegal to do like a solidarity strike. So yeah. no, we can't do that. Literally. <laughs> it, <sighs> however, is only illegal. In the sense that if they can make you stop, because, you yeah. know, when... Everybody's doing it. <laughs> yeah. And they can't get all of They us. did that for a reason, and and I won't say that it's the easiest thing to break is a solidarity strike, you know, injunction or stuff, because they can they can just send, like, literally the troops... They can, ...to and go they take would. you down. Depend- yeah. Especially if it's a vital enough industry, they fucking will. Yeah, they'll nationalize it. Joe Biden yeah. has talked about this, and, and they did that with the railroad strike and everything, as they said, no, you guys are going to go and renegotiate this. Like they, the con- It was like the day after, I think, that they said Congress was going to go in and just, sorry, you know? Ugh, yeah. And it wasn't like a novel thing. They did that in the 90s. They, they would do... They'll they keep have doing all it. the yeah they they will, <laughs> and we go back to what we were talking about before, right? When are they going to stop that? Is when they're made to stop that? Is <laughs> truly when we, when we take the power from them and say you don't have that decision anymore. Like it's it's not up to you. We're going to let the workers decide. And until we do that, then they're going to you know hold us over the you know cavernous jaws of their good graces, and they're going to say, well, 
I could just take this all away. Yeah. Better work for me. <laughs> so. Or I'll program AI to replace you. <laughs> yeah, what, that would be great. An AI run <laughs> coal mine, yeah. an AI run. Well, okay, that's the thing. That's the thing yeah. that pisses me off about AI. What I mean, pisses there's lots you of things. Oh, there's a lot of things. But one of the things, like, is if you want proof of how fucking sick our society is, how unwell, how capitalistic it is, look at the, the things that AI is being programmed to take over currently. Like, the popular waves of it are writing and art, creative forms. Yeah. Now, if you look at human evolution generally, you want to have time to do those things. Yep. You'd want to automate the lower tasks yeah of course that comes with its own problems too don't get caught up by that solution because you know then you'll have a bunch of unemployed people uh and you're if we're not going to take care of them that's not a good idea either but it's insane that we're not even trying to do that (laughs) that we're not saying oh we could use this to do the jobs nobody wants to do and then take care of all those people and then we all get to do fun stuff like art. To as Engel said, you know, free humanity from its childhood of like drudgery and everything, you know. And yeah, like it, we're getting really close to, you know, what if we invent a replicator but a capitalist invents it? Fuck no. We got, it's, that's that is the time. always that's, the ultimate danger. I mean, like that's what the Luddites <laughs> fought the against. That's like, what you know, and, and you know, Marx and Engels talks about the, talk about this of like this this the advancing um, means of production and everything advancing past and like bucking up against the shackles of the mode of production and the mode of production capitalism it, it, that that's what we're all collectively finding ourselves shackled to mm-hmm. and we are sitting there uh, held in this shitty reality. <laughs> Where they have all this technology that they can use to better production, but not better our meat, like our lives. That's where we're at. You know, we're locked up in there and we're trying to break free. We're trying to get, you know, get rid of that and say, we want to hold these machines. We want all the bounty and we want to turn it to ourselves. Like we want to help ourselves and, and you, you know, and that's, it's sort of, you know, here's how like kind of the diggers and like the Christian socialists and things would say is like, we're also trying to save your soul. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, you're being super evil right now. Like, this would if be anything, better for people you. People won't fucking hate your guts anymore. Would yeah. that be cool? <laughs> like, can, yeah, can you imagine walking out in the street, like, and seeing your fellow man and getting his love instead of his hatred because <laughs> you've actually, you know, helped. Yeah, you know that weird, like, massive (laughs) compound you have with tons of armed guards? You won't need that anymore. (laughs) Because you're not protecting a dragon horde. You can be, yeah, exactly. You're Tolkien's (laughs) dragon. That's it. I'm I'm reading, uh, I'm reading Fellowship of the Rings now and everything. And it's, it's, it's like the, the silly amounts that they could possibly amass in, in their, you know, dragon hordes and stuff is, is, that's where we're at, man. It is so small though compared to the actual fortunes that men we That's true. Now. Like if you if you had to proportionally recreate a dragon horde where every coin is a dollar, that cave would have to be fucking massive. Yeah. I mean even $2, I'm not gonna $3, math that out, whatever. Yeah. It's it's insane. <laughs> yeah, I I ain't a math guy, but that'd be a really big horde and a really big fucking dragon to go with it. But yeah, AI is in these evil hands. I think mm-hmm. going to, uh, I think we all feel it. That's what, that's what we're all kind of thinking about is the dangers of it. 
because we yes. know, you know, I mean, like if you had, you know, a, a socialist, a communist, a, a, you know, even to be more liberal about a, a democratic sort of, you know, <laughs> administration of this, you could say, well, I we're going to trust them with it either, but okay. <laughs> right. But like people are going to get to decide. Yeah. People are going <laughs> to get to decide what, what this is like oh you mean small d yes yeah i mean i mean small d like the small old d school rosa social democracy idea yeah right? yeah that's fine that's you fine know? if people are going to get to decide what the, what happens with this then we all know and i think even the titans know that they're going to lose some of their power to you know to dominate people but they are still going to have like a better world you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's that's what we would be going for. But everyone knows in their bones that that's not <laughs> what we're going to go for <laughs> in our current structure. Yeah. And like, it's it's interesting. Like, I, I see a lot of AI guys and they're mostly guys, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, arguing about, oh, you know, your gatekeeping art or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. What they're missing, what they actually want is a world that gives them the time to pursue art because it's a time game. It really is. It's not, I wouldn't say, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. There's so many artists that are out there struggling financially. So like, you're not trying to get rich off of this. If you are, you you picked a bad field for that. <laughs> but yeah, they, they are craving this creative action that they just don't have the time and energy for. And it's like, that's not my fault. <laughs> So you're like, saying you should really channel that elsewhere. They're looking for the dark side. They're looking for a shortcut. Yeah, which in the Star Wars universe, the dark side is always the shortcut, mm, right? The easy way. Yeah. They're yeah, looking for the dark lightning. side way to get to <laughs> art, right? And yeah, to get to yeah. Creativity. They're saying, oh, this this is how I get to that. I can put in prompts in and that'll that'll make art for me. Mm-hmm. Whereas what you're saying is they want their their souls, their their being as a human. They want the freedom. They want the time. They want just to be so unburdened that they can, you know, they, they feel healthy enough. They feel, you know, good enough as a person to, to be free enough to be able to put their energies toward this and to get better and develop their own skills themselves. That, that's what they, that's what their like inner self secretly wants. Yeah, I think so. Because like, I fully admit it is super exciting to draw something be like, damn, that looks really good. I did that. Like, that's a great feeling. That's like one of the main reasons I do it. But like, yeah, I think they're really craving a world where that's possible, where they have that time to pursue it. And they were encouraged to do it because mm-hmm. when you reach mm-hmm. a certain age and people are like, why are you still doing that? What are you going to do with that? <laughs> yeah, that's a hobby. So, but yeah. what are you really going to do? Exactly. Like people are craving as well meaning as that may be, but yeah, it's also fine to have as a hobby. Like, you don't have to monetize your hobbies. That's fine. But, like, yeah, I, I think that's a big root of it. Like, I see all this language around it of, like, it's so exciting and it's so, like, f- fulfilling and stuff like that. I'm like, it could be, but, like, you're doing it wrong. First off, you're stealing shit. Secondly, put on the work. It's worth it. Yeah. Tough stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Oh, can we end so I can put my fans back on? It's hot. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Buy me a new AC, but that probably won't even fix it. I don't even know what's going to fix it. A new Find AC me a contractor we'll man who will take a femme presenting person seriously and not fuck them over. <laughs> yeah, a new AC will totally do it for sure. New AC, totally new ducks, sure. all that. Just, just spend thousands of dollars. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Or spend $1,000 on windows and doors, which is probably what we'll have to do. 
Oh, y'all have old windows? Yeah, we have very old windows. Our doors are like, <laughs> I have a lot of bugs in my house. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to do the whole ass thing. Yeah, it sucks. Consumerism, it's going to get you. Yeah. But hey, not if you have an Instant Pot. Yeah, you're safe. <laughs> the one not planned obsolescence object. Yeah. Brought uh, to you apparently. by um, the consumer products foundries of the former Soviet Union. <laughs> Brought to you by Pride Instapot, the, the gayest Instapot on the market. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. Sponsored by the Communist Party of Oklahoma. Yes, please. <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> uh, that'd be fun to do like a, not a sponsorship, but just like, okay, this is an idea. I'm... <laughs> I'm shooting from the hip here. Uh, I'm getting heat delusional. <laughs> Not a sponsorship, but if you like send us an email about your local org, like we'll totally shout it out. Like if you're doing some good work, you want to tell us the cool work you've been doing? Tell us about it. I'd love to know. Well, how's your DSA chapter doing? Do you have a communist organization in town? Yeah, for sure. Your book club, your, yeah. you know, let's eat raw meat and get buff club. I don't <laughs> care. Like, yeah, we would totally. Anything. We'll shout you out, be as specific or as non-specific as you want. I mean, you know, our trains are not as easy to, you know, jump off of or whatever. And, and <laughs> our Siberian camps yeah, are not as easy to escape from. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But we'll, yeah, we'll follow your lead. We'll do, you know, whatever. We want to spread the word for sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. Organization Corner coming back. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a throwback. That's a real throwback. We really did not keep up with that. But hey, this is a, a 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go sit in front of my fan and watch Star Trek. Sounds good. What are we doing next week, though, before I get to that? Next week, we're going to be talking about the hot autumn. It's already too hot in here. Yeah. Well, you know, continuing on that theme, the hot autumn, <laughs> the years of lead. We're going to be talking about a period of complete unrest in Italy. Hmm. So this is going to have to do with uh, communist groups in Italy, as well as far right groups funded by the United States. Surprise, surprise. Uh, <laughs> Notice my shock. <laughs> yeah, you, you nearly fell out of your chair. Almost. Uh, so, so we'll be kind of talking about this and it's Cold War, um, post-World War II sort of roots and things like that. We're not going to go into a full history, say, of like the Communist Party or the Socialist Party there and everything and all the politics, but we'll get we'll uh, hit the highlights. I think this is going to be one of those uh, one of those episodes where we repeatedly say, "Yeah, we could talk about that." Yeah, we could talk about that sort of thing. <laughs> you know. So. Okay, great. I'll talk to you later then. All right, see ya. Bye. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. 
and we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't gonna line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.